0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's podcast. Today's topic is about healthcare, and we welcome Judith Feingold from Fidelity International. Good morning, Judith. You're an analyst and portfolio manager for Fidelity International. Can you please tell us more about your background before joining Fidelity?
1: Sure. Before joining Fidelity, I was a doctor. I worked in the NHS for seven and a half years. Um, and when I was leaving I left and did a PhD in kind of clinical research before going to business school and joining fidelity
0: let's talk about the virus can you please explain us more about the virus origin and its trajectory during the past few months
1: sure I mean the virus we know originated in Wuhan in China um, the exact timing of the uh, when this virus jumped from animals into humans, it's slightly unclear. The best scientists that I've said estimate it was probably sometime in November. Um, And then obviously, unfortunately, given this was a completely novel virus, it continued to kind of have community spread in China whilst international travel was open. And that's why you've ended up with this global pandemic. In the last um, month, you've seen a real deviation between different geographical regions. So in Western Europe, um, you have seen a lot of, very successful lockdowns and control of the virus, and now relaxation of lockdowns. However, you've seen other areas, especially in South America, with kind of rapid escalating caseloads, especially areas such as Brazil. Um, Compounding this, we're now seeing in the United States, a lockdown which was implemented throughout all states in the United States simultaneously. Unfortunately, the caseloads were not equivalent in all states. So you're now seeing some states, such as Texas and Arizona, that initially in March had very small amounts of kind of low case loads of coronavirus, now you're seeing as lockdowns have released, actually we're getting near exponential growth again of coronavirus, which is, you know, something that we're watching quite closely.
0: What are the current status of the global researches concerning a possible treatment?
1: I think the best way to think about treatments is to split it into two. So think about the acute treatments for people that are unwell with coronavirus and then preventative treatments to prevent people getting coronavirus The first wave of trials we've seen for the acute treatment is repurposing drugs that we think might be useful for coronavirus. And to be fair, we have had some success globally, things like Gilead's antiviral, and then the recent pretty encouraging data from the use of dexamethasone in those people acutely unwell with coronavirus inflammation, really. Um, However, in the next few months, we're going to see the second wave of the acute treatments. And these are completely novel drugs which have been developed at Pretty much lightning speed from several companies, and are now in clinical trials. And we should see by the end of summer slash the fall um, some the results of these therapies. And the hope is because they're much more targeted to the virus, they may be more successful. As I said, the second aspect of this is really the preventative treatments. So, just, and that's going to be the gold standard in terms of getting um, people really comfortable. Um, and obviously, the, you know, the key thing for this will be vaccination. Um, This is an area we've been doing a lot of work on. What's interesting is you have all different kinds of vaccines going into the clinic now. So I would say that even if some don't look encouraging, you have a lot of breadth of vaccine development being done globally. Um, And this, I think, is encouraging for the long run. The next aspect with vaccines is obviously long-term safety and efficacy. Um, I think that we will be likely looking at vaccines being approved much earlier than vaccines have been done historically. And then the third aspect that we need to consider is how do you vaccinate the globe and quickly, right? You know, how can you make enough of these vaccines, distribute enough of them, fill and finish them? You know, there are some aspects that, you know, we're looking into that, you know, are pretty astounding, such as how do you have enough glass to do this? But luckily, there are many other people that are thinking into the future and thinking logistically, how are we going to accomplish this? So let's say in six, let's say in nine months, 12 months, whenever it is, we have a good vaccine, how can we actually? manufacture this, fill and finish this, distribute this and get this to the people.
0: What are your thoughts about a possible second wave?
1: I think a second wave is inevitable. Um, I don't think this should come as a surprise to anyone at this point. Given we have a global pandemic, there is no way to stop this then kind of re So you'll get areas that have cleared the virus and then you'll get travel back into these areas and a resurgence of cases. But what does a second wave really mean? If people are concerned, you know, we should be, the initial first wave was so bad because we, it's a completely novel virus that we didn't know how to target, we didn't know how to treat, and most importantly, we didn't know how to diagnose. So throughout January and February, we probably had fairly high levels of community spread without knowing it. So for a second wave to occur seems to me fairly inevitable, but it shouldn't necessarily be the same severity as the first wave. And it's really, you know, managing to kind of case diagnose very early on with a lot of testing, isolate and treat people that will prevent a second wave being the same as the first wave.
0: Let's talk investment opportunities for the sector. How did the healthcare sector evolve and perform with the pandemic?
1: I think the healthcare sector during the pandemic acted as defensively as we would have expected. We had certain areas within the pandemic, um, such as global biopharma, which has been particularly strong. But to be perfectly frank, uh, these areas are going to be the solution to these pandemics. These drug companies are going to be the people that, you know, kind of dig us out of this issue. Um, So I think it's fairly justified. I would also say that... um, you know, especially in the case of kind of global biopharma, this is an area which has been deeply unloved and maybe underappreciated by the market for a while. So I think that now the market is beginning to give them some credit for the R&D and the innovation which we really feel is there in this subsector. Um, on the other hand, you have had some areas of um, healthcare which have been disproportionately hit, such as the medtech players, because with this global pandemic, um, to save hospital space. As we're all aware, a lot of procedures have had to be cancelled or delayed. So there are certain areas of healthcare which have performed less defensively than we would have expected.
0: How will it impact the future of this sector?
1: I think that this is going to fundamentally change how we do R&D in the future. And there's a few aspects of this. Number one, my personal feeling is that we have been underinvesting in certain areas of healthcare. So we have been under-investing, for example, in infectious diseases. And I don't think that any government's ever going to allow this to occur at all. I think there's going to be huge amounts of investment to make sure that if things happen again in the future, we're much more prepared. The second area um, that I think will change in the future is in interactions with the regulatory bodies. We are seeing an unbelievably, um, not just an accommodating FDA and European regulatory bodies, but really working with the industry to try to you know, get therapies safely to people as fast as possible and trying to remove red tape. The whole industry has had to pivot to working remotely, but it's been fairly astounding the kind of lack of delays that we're seeing. So I think that this interaction and this kind of enthusiasm and um, uh, kind of proactiveness from the regulatory bodies is just the start because they realize that, you know, we need to be leaning into the innovation and getting it to people as soon as possible.
0: This is it for today. Thank you very much, Judith. Until the next episode.